This episode is brought to you by Left of Boom. We empower leaders to respond to crisis proactively and with confidence. When crisis strikes, organisations face a battle of survival under intense scrutiny. How they are judged depends on the performance of individuals and teams huddled in war rooms, working to provide a coherent response under maximum pressure. In Crisis Talks, I aim to capture the insights of people who have responded to a crisis and their stories of leadership, courage and resilience in the face of extreme adversity. Their lessons will help us all be better prepared to preempt and respond proactively and with confidence. My name is Grant Chisnell and this is Crisis Talks. G'day ladies and gents. In this week's episode, I'm taking you back a few weeks to an interview I did with Earl Eddings, the chairman of Cricket Australia, right on the eve of the first Ashes test over at Lords. We reflect back on the sandpaper crisis and what the Cricket Australia board did to regain the trust of the Australian cricketing public in the great game that we love. Earl Eddings' interview really shed some great insight into the role that governance plays within an organisation the role that boards play in driving the culture of an organisation and the importance of assurance in a response to any crisis event. Right, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Crisis Talks. This morning, I've got the privilege of speaking with the Chairman of Cricket Australia, Earl Eddings, uh, who's in the risk industry and has been a, uh, certainly someone that I've looked up to over the journey. So, Earl, welcome to Crisis Talks today and thanks for joining oh, us. Good morning, it's very pleasure to be here. Now, um, now it is a cold day day here it's in Melbourne. <laughs> how, um, uh, how much are you looking forward to getting over there again next week to Lords? Uh, I mean, after the great result in Edgbaston, and you know we did well in the World Cup too. No, we didn't win it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, really looking forward. to it. It's exciting times. Uh, the boys are playing well. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, get back over there and hopefully beat them at Lords. We've got a great record. So fingers crossed, we can go two 0 up. Now, how did you come involved with Cricket Australia? Oh, at the time, I was uh, captain coach at North Melbourne Cricket Club. Yep. Um, and usually, you know, you're, you're president at the same time, number one sponsor because you were yeah. a struggling club. <laughs> also, my own business uh, in risk management uh, called Art Consulting. We're doing okay. We made the BRW top 100 fastest growing companies. That sort of put us on the radar a little bit. And then uh, Cricket Victoria looking for some renewal. So I was asked to go on the board of Cricket Victoria. And then, um, before you know it, Cricket Australia had uh, three members I'll just the, edit that out, on the worry. board of uh, Cricket Australia. So within two years, I was on the board of Cricket Australia, which a bit of uh, happened really, really quickly. How long ago was that? That was back in about 2007. 2007. Yeah, 2008, yeah. Oh, brilliant. So 10 years on the Cricket Victoria board, mm-hmm. most of them as deputy chairman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before all the governance reform, so I was on the board of Cricket Australia at the same time. Mm-hmm. When we changed the governance structures back in 2012 or 13, I stayed mm-hmm. on as a mm-hmm. Victorian representative. Yeah. Um, and then as we moved to an independent board, I've uh, lucky enough and privileged enough to become chairman. So those governance structures over time, what were they relating to? Well, original is a membership-based board, so yep. you know, in a federal model where each state had representation on the board. Yep. So one of the challenges of that from a governance perspective was 
you weren't necessarily there for the the best better interest of Australian cricket. It was more about what were the best interest of your state, and often they were didn't align. So mm. one of the great things about the change of governance now we are there for the the betterment of Australian cricket. So you make decisions based on what's the best interest of cricket, mm. not necessarily the, the state politics that goes behind it sometimes. And so the remit of the game now of the Cricket Australia board now fits across the whole spectrum of cricket in yeah, Australia. Yeah, it does. Exactly. And uh, it's a big, you know, it's a big big business. You know, mm. we've got. Uh, I think Cricket Australia would turn over $400 million now. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a number, you know, 1.6 million participants there, thereabouts. Um, we've also got, you know, their women's cricket, we've got Indigenous cricket, yep. disabled cricket, uh, transgender policy came out yesterday. So we're really, it is a big business. Mm. Um, and to be custodian of that sport, it's, it's a really great privilege. Your background in risk, how's that really suited to your role here with Cricket Australia in particular? Uh, I think in the last two years we've been very, <laughs> very important. I think um, coming from a risk background, you tend to look at it through a slightly different lens, mm. uh, looking at, uh, one, what can go wrong and how to mitigate it, but mm. more importantly, the opportunities that the good risk management provides. And you know, the Big Bash is a great example of that. Mm. You know, a number of years ago, we saw that our um, we weren't really connecting with women and kids. Mm. Uh, we also knew that having an asset that we owned we could commercialise was really important. So... And that was the, really the birth of the Big Bash. And I think we've seen the success of that by engaging with women and kids, which was a market we were under underrepresented in. So it's a great example of risk management being used as an opportunity and, and presenting a great, you know, great outcome. With the role within the board there, what, what, is it, what does the chairman normally do? For those people out there that are sort of new to yeah. boards and, the, and governance structures that exist, what... What role does the chairman really play um, in the board? It's, well, it's a really interesting. It's, I wouldn't call it a traditional chairman's role. It mm. is domestically. We, yep. you know, we've got a board and we run the yep. board and oversee management and management run the, run the organisation. But with the, the other dynamic around being on the ICC board, that's a, a far more role your sleeves up, get involved, decision-making out of Dubai. So that takes mm. up a lot of time as well, Okay, uh, which is a slightly different uh, governance structure of Australian cricket, which is, once again, very membership-based. So mm. it's got that dual role of overseeing the governance and being, I suppose, custodian of the game in Australia, but also having that overarching, uh, overarching um remit for, for ICC as well. So it's a, it's a very complicated role at times. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and given the high-profile nature of the, yeah. the team, I mean, yeah. it's the highest-profile team in the country as yeah. well. Yeah, well, one thing is good, you know, we've seen rightly in bad times and good times, it's such a, you know, cricket's such a part of the DNA of Australian mm. culture, if you like. And mm. when we saw the issues we had over in Cape Town and, and the outpouring of grief, if you like, that mm. shows how important it is to the DNA of Australia. Uh, which is great, yeah, but it's also a very issues-rich environment. So you're always uh, being critiqued, you're always being analysed, you're always being uh, looked at. So, which is, a, which I think, is great. It shows people care and the passion about the game, and uh, mm. rather that than being a sport where no one was watching it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the flip side, isn't it? Yeah. Um, going back to that time at March 2018, how, how did you first become aware of the situation? It was interesting. I was uh, at a friend's place, uh, watched, uh, had a dinner, and. Uh, I'm a mad Collingwood supporter and we're flicking through the cricket and the football. It was the first game of the year and you know, every you know, every footy scene you think your side's going to win the premiership. I think we were getting smashed by Hawthorne. So I was yeah. pretty down. I remember turning over the TV and there was no sound on mm. and I saw the cameras flicking to a yellow piece of paper and I, th- I thought someone had run a note out and I mm. wasn't sure. Then I obviously realised something was going on. We turned up the sound and realised... Um, I said, it's going to be an interesting week. Yeah. Realising it was going to be an interesting two years. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the, the next day was like a, a hailstorm, if you like, of just anger and outpouring and in media, social media, mainstream media. And uh, it was an yeah, amazing, uh, yeah, amazing uh, day of my life. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure I'll ever forget it. 
Yeah, so what, uh, can you take us behind the scenes what happened from yeah, it was there? So it's it a, a bit of a perfect storm, if you like, like yep. most crises. Yep. Um, we had the chairman of Cricket Australia at the time, David Peaver. Mm-hmm. He was on a plane coming back to Australia, so okay. he was unaware of what happened. Yes. Uh, it was in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so the, the tyranny of distance, you had the chairman on a plane, uh, people not knowing what was going on. Mm-hmm. And then that, uh, so before we could sort of you know, reconvene as a board and, okay, let's get our plan together, it yep. already happened. Yep. Uh, the media were already onto it and mm. uh, it just went out of, out of control there for a period of time. So uh, one of those, you know, most crisis back was a perfect storm of if that had a change or if that had a change, it yeah. may not have been as bad as what it was. Yeah. Um, but I think to the credit of the board at the time, once we, on that the next day, we got got things scared, had uh, our lead investigator, Ian Roy, straight mm-hmm. on the plane over there mm-hmm. um, to you know, manage that, and I think we did that really well. Mm-hmm. From then, really, that next week was just managing stakeholder engagement. Mm. I think the board um, managed it really well in terms of uh, what was the next steps around, uh, one, looking after players' welfare, which is important, yep. uh, but then also having a thorough investigation and making some decisions which were highly um, highly charged. Mm. I think the board managed that really well in terms of you know, just keeping... Keep to focus what we need to do, mm. not worry about the external noise. And it was a lot of external noise, as you, as you will remember. So yeah, I think we managed that really well. I think at that sort of the, that sort of first two to five hours, there's obviously a lot of things we've learnt from that, and we've, we've changed a lot of things around it. But uh, so that is, you know, like any crisis, that how you manage that first initial two mm. to three hours is really, really important. I think it's something we would do differently in hindsight. Had you planned for a scenario like this, so a cultural-based scenario or uh, reputational well, we've got, style We've got a very strong risk management framework at yep. Trick Australia and risk registers, as you would expect. And yep. um, most of it would be, it was, we went back and reviewed all that, most of it would be focused on a terrorist event. Yeah, um, physical events. Yeah, yeah. or uh, illegal betting, <coughs> something like that. So yep. nothing around, well, we had, so they're similar in terms of outpouring, nothing specifically about mm. what actually happened in Cape Town. No. So um, when you do your scenario planning, yeah. it's more about based on history. Well, we've seen what's happened in Pakistan with mm. Sri Lankan cricket and a few other areas. So it's more about if something happened to the team mm. or something happened to a, a staff member, how would we react to that? So mm. um, not quite like that, but uh, yes, there's been some learnings out of that too. So the, the, the tempers had been building, I suppose, over time in that lead up, you know, the previous tests, et cetera, there'd been the incidents with, uh, with Warner and, and uh, mm-hmm. I think Decock and those yeah. other players. Mm-hmm. Had that sort of raised your awareness or concern as a general term, is that ra- had that raised your awareness or concerns around their performance at that time? Or? Yeah, very much so. I'm yeah. asking, uh, we were concerned during the Ashes series, you yep. recall we played a five-test Ashes series against England. Yep. There were some behavioural issues there where, you know, it'd been some, you know, uh, quiet words behind, you know, remember you're playing for Australia and mm. how you play is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also you've got to understand the players are, you know, in a very, uh, they were tired, they've gone straight into a, a highly charged series against South Africa coming off the back of a, yep. an Ashes series. It's no excuse for their behaviour, but you could see signs of frailty, they were angry, they were tired, mm. uh, and, you know, that should have been nipped in the bud at the at the at the team management level. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Mm. Um, and at the ball, we ironically we said, "Well, let's get get them home from South Africa, yep. then review it and make some change." Unfortunately, we didn't get that far. Get that so far. I think that's a great learning for any board is that um, when you start seeing issues around your culture, you've got to really deal with it quickly, not let them fester. Which I think, in hindsight, we should have done something a bit quicker. What role does a board normally play in in identifying cultural change and concerns mm-hmm. and driving that change within a business normally? Well, ultimately, the culture emanates from the board down. Yep. So the, 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 the behaviours you walk past is the culture you accept. So, mm. 
having said that, you know, management are there to run the day-to-day. It's always a fine line between how much yeah. boards get involved in day-to-day management, but ultimately it's, always, it's our responsibility of the culture. So, mm. um, and as we've seen, you know, while you may not be in the minutiae of the running of the business, you yep. ultimately are responsible for the culture of the organisation. Is it different to what you see in normal businesses where, where a, a board will be a bit more, you know, a bit more detached from the, the day-to-day running of, a, of the business that you would see in, in this situation with Cricket Australia? Yeah, it's a bit of a dichotomy. We've got, you know, a board's a board and governance is governance. Yes. And, but I, th- I suppose in any sporting environment, such a, as I said before, an issues-rich environment, it's hard to be... Dis- uh, and it's a membership-based and it's a community-based sport. Yeah. Let's not forget that. So Absolutely. getting that right balance, you know, and uh, as the cricket has become a very, very big sport, mm. but also having that, you know, I suppose that grassroots connection is equally critical. So fundamentally, yes, it's the same as any organisation, a little bit different in terms of such a um, complicated sport given the grassroots and the membership base of the organisation. Um, when the crisis was first evoked yeah. uh, and the team first came yeah. together, do you have a war room? How do you set yourselves up for um, those situations? It's not quite as grandiose as that. There's <laughs> a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls and the like. Yeah. Um, so, and because you know, we've got our boards spread all around Australia. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot of phone hookups. Mm. Uh, I think you know, we're on the phone virtually all, all over that weekend mm-hmm. and the next few days just making sure we're managing properly, looking after our staff. Remember our, yeah. our, our uh, people are working around the clock to try and manage this. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our players, you know, we're really concerned about the welfare of our players and you've seen the, the, the media um, when the three of them come back to Australia. That was, yes. you know, well, yes, they've done the wrong thing. They're still our employees. They're still people we really embrace. So mm. trying to make sure their welfare is being looked after is really critical. Mm. The welfare of our other employees and management team managers because they were you know, deeply traumatised by all this. Yeah. So making sure that they they were looked after first was the most important thing. Then working out how do we manage through that in terms of sanctions and, and the like. So it's a really complicated crisis management process, as you imagine, yeah. happening on the other side of the world yeah. in a different time zone. So, um, but then when we got them home, it was really about okay, making sure they've got enough support around them, both by Cricket Australia and by the states. Mm. Um, and I think we did that reasonably well. With the Steve Smith thing, was a little bit disappointed. We'd never, uh, we should have given him a bit more support there. But mm. it didn't quite work. When he first came yeah. back, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but since then, they've had you know access to counselling, mm. been a lot of touch with them, and uh, helping them through that process. While we had to punish them, yeah, we also had to make sure that you know we looked after them as individuals, yes, and uh, helping them get back 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 into the game. I think we've seen so far so good in the Ashes that I mm. think it's worked really well. Yeah, I think um, it's a it's a massive challenge without without a doubt having to manage that you know the cultural yeah. change that's required, but then also looking after the individuals involved and investigating mm. in such an open context. Yeah. Um, was there was there any sort of critical things that you did in that or your team did in that time that that was really focused on enabling those you know to ring fence that welfare support versus you know obviously challenging on the investigation side. Yeah, well, it's an interesting time because then we went through the. Our response was, okay, let's do a review of our yep. culture. And yep. we instigated the Ethics Centre review, mm-hmm. which created a whole range of other issues down the track, and mm-hmm. uh, which we're still going through at the moment. But I think we're able to... Um, it's a fine line. So, mm. yes, we had, as a board, we had to make a stand. Yeah. But also, we had, you know, Cricket Australia, we had a lot of great support networks. We worked closely with the ACA, the Players Association, mm-hmm. their managers, to mm-hmm. make sure they're getting the right support. Yeah. Uh, and we kept in contact with them all through that, through our high-performance unit and via our Kevin... CEO, so mm-hmm. I think we got the balance right. Um, seem to be doing the right thing by the game, but also making sure we're looking after their welfare. 
the review was a really was an interesting yeah. um, interesting point in time. Was that driven by the concern that had come from from within, or was it also driven by the concern that come with, from without? And I think if you draw a parallel between the you know, the, the type of incidents that have occurred recently, such as Dreamworld and those other yeah. sort of events. One of the key things that I often talk to with organisations about is how, how can you assure your stakeholders that mm. you are safe or, or capable of, of re-engaging their respect or re-earning their yeah. trust? Yeah. And was that review such an, impo- an important part of regaining that trust? Yeah, I think once again, it was the board who instigated that report. Yeah. We said, well, let's, let's, let's look at this warts and all. So, yep. if you, if you, and as a board, we're very clear, um, the events in Cape Town is not a one-off. So let's let's shine the torch on ourselves. How how did this happen on our watch? What can we learn from, and how do we improve the culture of Australian cricket? Um, so we didn't see it just as a one-off instance. Okay, mm. it must be a deeper, deep-rooted issues here. I mean, remember, it just come from a pretty brutal MOU negotiation as well, yep. where players went on strike. So yep. I think there's some broader issues there. So I think to the board's credit and the chairman's credit at the time, David P. was said, no, let's have a long, hard look at Australian cricket, get an independent. Uh, body to come in there and, and shine the lo- uh, shine the light on us, mm. uh, which I think is pretty brave, very brave, uh, yeah. very courageous, but necessary. Mm. So I think credit to us as a board that we, we were prepared to do that, mm. regardless of what came out of it. Uh, and with some a lot of changes occurred as a result of that. Yeah, some wide criticism that you received from from multiple yeah. different sources around the around the culture and around yeah. particularly around the uh, in it for themselves sort mm-hmm. of mentality. Was there concerns also that that review wouldn't necessarily get to the bottom of those issues as well? Or yeah, I think, uh, well, once again, it, you know, 43 recommendations come out. I think we endorse 42 of them. Um, but as a board, we want to go deeper than that. To me, as a board, the easy thing we do now is to tick the box says we've done it all. But we really want to get to the under- understanding what the culture is of Australian cricket and Cricket Australia is two different things. But more importantly, what's the culture we want to have? Mm. So um, a lot of that, you know, so if I look at Cape Town as being a symptom, not a cause, I think it was mm. a great opportunity to rehash, you know, really reset Australian cricket, and I think uh, we're on the on the way of doing. It. And one of the one of the unfortunately the standing jokes that were coming through was you know this this is happening on a weekend, mm. you know these sort of things are happening on the weekend. Um, how far down can we can we go to get you know you said this was one symptom only, but. Mm. But how can we ensure that you know the, the junior kids that are coming through the the, the high talent you know, the, the the talent programs that they're involved yeah. in the high performance programs that they're mm-hmm. involved in? How can we ensure that that they aren't going to have the same mistakes down the track? Yeah, really good question. We think um, certainly, and I think the way the Australian if I, if I take the Australian men's team separately, the Australian women's team have yep. met fantastic ambassadors and they've been done really well. The men's team I think have really changed. I think they're mm-hmm. leading the charge. Mm-hmm. They've been authentic. They've, they shine the light on themselves too with the players' pack. They realise they've got such an important role as, as role models in the game. And we've seen that already. I think the way they've behaved in the last 12 months has been uh, fantastic. They're playing the game what I consider the right way, play hard but fair. Yeah. And, we've seen, and uh, we've seen some data coming through in the last 12 months. I think uh, code of conduct all the way through cricket has dropped by about 72%. Really? So that's filtering through. So yeah. if I look at all our national underage programs, the BBL, state yeah. cricket... You know, our Australian men's team hasn't had a, any warning or anything for the last 12 months. Mm. So they've been uh, the best rated country in the world for their behaviour. And we've seen that filter through all through the grades. Now, you know, I can't say it's going to happen in park cricket out in the middle of the northern suburbs in Melbourne where I grew up. Yeah. It's pretty rough and tumble. <laughs> but hopefully you know, we, we're getting that balance right. Um, you never want to see uh, Australian cricket lose its competitiveness, but mm. it's how you play the game and how you, how you win and more importantly how you lose it. So I think it's critical. I think we're starting to see that reset in Australian cricket. 
Yeah, that humility is always a key, isn't it? Another friend that I interviewed a while back, um, he was a former New Zealand SAS, mm. and that one of their key tenets was humility and yeah. humour. Yeah. You know, and 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 they certainly fight very hard. Yeah, exactly you know? right. And so, I think, uh, and I love uh, love everything about New Zealand sport. You look at the mm. the ball. We have the outside the, the All Blacks, and they have a look at their cricket side plays. So yeah. They play great cricket. They punch above their weight. Mm. They play with humility, and they play with, and they get a lot of respect. And I think our guys, our team's doing that now. Mm. Um, I think we saw you know, a, a, a good symbol. I love symbolism in, in these things. Is that when David Warner was being, you know had to go by the crowd his turn and had a joke with them and that showed me one humility yeah. yes I understand I've done the wrong thing and I think the crowd responded to that positively so yeah. little things like that where uh, the players understand you know it is a game I've done the wrong thing I accept it we move on and uh, I've been really proud how they've, how they've responded no it certainly responded very well mm. at the moment so let's hopefully yeah. hopefully that stays on yeah. um, post these things you know which nearly I mean it's nearly two years yeah we're yeah. approaching isn't it yeah um, what are sort of the key things that you've learnt yourself through this whole incident um, just the ability for people to um, the resilience of people and you see where you know if I look look at the three players how when they come back to where they are now and how ability people to grow <laughs> and, uh, and improve I think it's been fantastic but also trust I think Everything we've done since all that is really trying to regain trust, mm. both trust with our stakeholders, trust with the um, uh, our states, our players, but more importantly, the trust of the of the of the fans. And I mm. think once again, I think we've probably come quicker than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say we're being um, overconfident around that. We've got a long way to go, but I think the signs are, are working, and we've just got to keep doing more and more of that. And trust takes a long time to 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 be regained, particularly after we lost it so badly. Yeah. But I think we're doing all the right things authentically. I think authenticity is the most important thing, just to be mm -hmm. honest. And not saying our predecessors weren't, but just going out to our stakeholders and, and listen. Uh, one of the things we, we found through the, the report was cricket had become a uh, perception of being a little bit arrogant, mm -hmm. um, had been a little bit too controlling, rightly wrong, that was the perception. So Kevin, our new CEO, is doing an amazing job. And myself and board, we just spent, went around and spoke to all our stakeholders mm -hmm. and listened to them. And mm -hmm. they, that's, they've really responded to that too. So. Uh, those little things like regaining trust has probably been the most important thing is my role mm. is just getting out there and listening to our stakeholders and, and regaining the trust and that only comes by your actions so you can say all the right things but your actions have got to back that up in your behaviours I do indeed mm. sponsors uh, were obviously challenged mm. throughout that and, yeah. and one of the uh, sponsors at that time famously withdrew at that stage mm. Uh, how much pressure did that put on the, the, the team, the wider team here as well? Um, yeah, I mean, once again, you know, I think we're all uh, deeply hurt in a number of different ways by what happened. Our sponsors, mm. most of them are really good, actually. If I look at Qantas, you know, they were, they've been a great sponsor, and they say, yeah, we know you've done the wrong thing, we know you'll fix it. And they've been solid all the way through, and most of our sponsors have been, I'm proud to say. Because yeah. they know the importance of what cricket has. Yes, we've done a couple things went wrong. Yeah. There's been a long history of doing a lot of right things, too. Mm. So... I'm pleased to see most of our sponsors had stayed on board and, uh, mm. and now starting to reap the benefits of that. And did you have a systematic approach to dealing with them or is it just like you said you had, you know, for example, different stakeholders that you were yeah, breaking probably, out amongst the team? Yeah, probably more so now. So mm. we've got a far more... Um, and really become strong partners with our sponsor. I think in the mm. past, we've probably been a little bit too transactional. That was the okay. feedback we were getting. Yeah. Uh, we're now, okay, how can we add value back to you? It's fine, you're writing a big check for us, but how can we add more value to you? Yeah. So yeah. we're really now getting all our sponsors in the room together. So, okay... No value to us, but how can you 
your organisations work together to improve your partnership. It makes perfect sense, yeah, doesn't so it? Yeah, so we might be, we're, so I think what we've done is become really strong enablers for both our sponsors and other stakeholders in the organisation, across all the, it's a very broad church of stakeholders in Australian yeah, cricket, so yeah, well, how, sure. how can we enable you to be better? Uh, rather than say it's a transactional relationship, we'll try and get as much money out of you, we'll see you next time we want to renew. So it's been a real turnaround about how we work with our, particularly our sponsors and the value you get. I mean, one of the great things for our sponsors, we're probably the only national, true national sport. Mm. So if you're a sponsor coming, you get great reach. It's a says part of the DNA of Australian society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a great partnership if we get it right. Uh, it certainly is. You know, what sort of advice would you now give to, to boards or what sort of different advice would you give to boards about about handling these things and, and responding effectively in a crisis? Uh, we've, we've done a lot of soul searching to around our crisis management approach. In fact, we've done a, a couple of renewals of it in the last three or four months. You know, there's mm. been a lot happening in sport. You know, have a look at um, Rugby Australia, have a look at mm. Swimming Australia, yep. good examples of mm-hmm. crisis management. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do? To, if, that, if that was happening on our watch and that mm. could easily happen, how would we manage that? So there's a lot, been a lot more in-depth scenario planning. Mm-hmm. Um, how would we react in certain situations? I think we well went under the radar. I mean, in the uh, sadly in that Christchurch um, terrorist act, we had an Australian women's cricket team, mm. team right near there, yeah, and we managed it really well. In uh, Sri Lanka, we had two state junior teams over there in Sri Lanka at the same time. Mm. So um, it's given us a great opportunity to practice and learn. Uh, yeah. Sadly, in, in very sad circumstances, to improve our processes around that. So it's something we're I think far more engaged with as a board. But also just understand the importance of the culture of the organisation and the impact the board can have. And I've been far more challenging and asking questions of management. Okay, demonstrate that to us. How's mm. that happening? Mm. Um, and luckily, because cricket is such a you know, you get out and about with the people, spending more time understanding of the the mood of the nation is. If you like, I'm, I'm lucky coming from a grassroots background. You're always out there doing the coaching and junior, so you yeah. get a you know, get a feel for you know that what's the word on the street. You know, the banter is on the sideline. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what about for preparing for those you know cultural style sort of scenarios? Mm. Um, I find that, that they tend to be pretty sensitive to them. So executive teams and boards can yep. be quite sensitive to them. Yeah. Um, how can you prepare for those sort of scenarios without actually sort of um, invoking something in yourselves anyway? Yeah, it's a challenging one because you want it's, it goes out fine lines before being being a board and. Understand the role of board, understand the role of management. Mm. I think we're far more sensitive now to not jumping at shadows, but just very sensitive about okay, what's the impact of that decision we're making mm. uh, culturally and ethically on the organisation? Mm-hmm. So I think we always do that intrinsically, but yeah. making sure it's a bit more of a formal process and time to reflect on, on the decisions we're making. How do you cascade that into the to the management? Make yeah, sure that's what, fine. Uh, I think that's been, uh, Kevin's done that really well. We've virtually brought on a new management team, so mm. they're bought into. We're the custodians of the game. Mm. Yes, we need to get strong commercial outcomes so we can keep investing in our sport. We've also got a role as custodians to make sure that cricket's cricket and a little banter we have internally is let's you know, put cricket back into cricket, mm. uh, which I think we're doing. We've seen that with our fixture next year around the Sheffield Shield, yeah. uh, giving more credits to Sheffield Shield, JLT Cup, yep. all those little things. They're not big in the scheme of things, but I'll just show that um, that that little pendulum swing back to cricket's really important in the scheme of things. Let's, let's not forget that when we're making decisions. What's been the be- biggest lesson for you? So what, what thing did you take out of yourself and what did you learn about yourself throughout um, this whole response? Just the importance of being... I wake up every day with a strong... I'm custodian of this great game. It's, yeah. It can be it's a lot of pressure. Of, it, it can be quite overwhelming at times. Yeah. Sort of, but it also gives you that... It just gives you that purpose, that yeah. sense of... 
I'm here for however many years, I've got to make this place better. So when I hand over to the next person, it's in much better shape. And I think that's the role of any any board or any chairman is to leave the leave whatever organisation you're in a much better shape than when you found it. Um, I've been lucky, while we had some challenges, cricket is in a good spot. Yeah. Um, so to have, you have that responsibility to the custodian of the game is a huge honour, huge responsibility, but it just gives you that sense of purpose of whatever it takes to make sure that game, the game's been looked after. It, uh, it's quite uh, powerful in some ways in terms of, it just clears all the noise. Yeah. It's just, okay, it's just, and the constant question, is this good for the game? So in some respects, it, uh, it empowers you to go out there and, uh, and hopefully make some better decisions. Well, the, um, the game has certainly recovered from, mm. from, all, from all accounts. You've seen the players are all back now. Steve Smith is now being spoke about in comparison with Don Bradman. And um, uh, I think that that legacy is, is looking pretty strong at the moment, Earl. So, um, so thank you very much for, mm-hmm. for joining us today on no, Crisis Talks. It's great to take an insight into it. One last question I do mm-hmm. ask everyone that's been involved yeah. is if you had the chance to sit down with someone who's been through a crisis and interview them or work through them with them or have mm. a beer with them, mm. whatever it may be, um, who would it be? Uh, I suppose in a bigger picture in history, probably Churchill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably you know, had some interesting aspects of his life, but that leadership through the real dark times of mm. the Second World War would be a, an obvious one. Mm. I think some more contemporary ones. I remember... Um, when the Queensland floods were on a few years ago, Anna Bly, as a, as a leader, I mean, she wasn't necessarily popular as a prem, but how she managed that, I think, was a great example of great crisis management. And more recently, I've seen with Jacinta Hearn over in New Zealand too. So there's some more contemporary ones you love to sit down with. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough through cricket, I've uh, spent a bit of time with the Governor-General. Yeah. Uh, he's another great a, a leader and a, a mm. great source of advice, and I've had been lucky to pick his brain a lot on that. So That's pretty, yeah. Uh, so he was our commandant at the Academy, yeah. uh, sorry, Duntroon rather, and um, and obviously our commander when we yeah. went to Timor. So. Yeah, so he's uh, been fortunate enough to have a, and he's a bit of a, he probably knows. He's a very I, big cricket tragic. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking after him at Laws next week. Excellent. And, uh, I always make sure I sit next to him and have a great chat. And, uh, to be able to pick the brains of people like that who I think are outstanding Australians. Mm. And, uh, I mean, with the late uh, John Bannon was on the board of Cricket Australia mm. and uh, he was a great man too and pick his brain. And so I'm very fortunate. Um, you know, growing up, went to a tech school to have access, I can ask, I can have access to all these wonderful people yeah. and learn from them just yeah. by watching them, talking to them, engaging with them. So I'm very privileged to, and hopefully pass on those messages to other people I come in contact with. Oh, that's brilliant. No, well, thank you again for today, Earl. I really appreciate your time and, yeah. uh, and the insight you've given us too about the game. Thank so you very thank much. You. That concludes the last episode of our first series of Crisis Talks. I've been humbled by the trust that each of the interviewees have shown in me, how giving they have been with their time, and how insightful all of their responses have been. Next week, we're gonna take the opportunity to do an in-flight debrief, looking at the first 11 episodes and picking out the key themes and lessons that we can all learn and apply in our own workplaces. I'm gonna do this in a form of video, which you can all download and subscribe to as part of the podcast. I look forward to sharing some different perspectives on crisis management over the next few weeks. Some of the ways that you can manage yourself through these events and some of the considerations for businesses and how they can regain the trust of their stakeholders in any event.